Crippled Content Creations presents Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability, with your host, Andrew Gerza. Disability After Dark, with Andrew Gerza, shining a bright light on sex and disability. Content warning. The language, content, and discussion found within this episode of Disability After Dark will be explicit. Listener discretion advised. Hello there. Thank you so much for clicking on this episode of Disability After Dark and wanting to share a discussion around sex and disability with me. This one's going to be a good one for sure, so get ready. I'm always curious what exactly I should talk about and what exactly I should share on every episode. I always wonder what an audience is going to find interesting. And I've started to do Twitter polls where I've asked people what they want to hear and what stories would make them think about sex and disability differently and all of that kind of stuff. And so I did a poll for this episode to see what people wanted to hear about. And I polled people and and surprisingly, well not that surprisingly really, people wanted to hear about my first time having sex. So I thought I would share that story. And I, you know, that story is one that I've told before. I've heard, people have heard me tell this story before. They know the ins and outs of the story. Either they've read it in my blog or they've heard me tell it somewhere. It's been a story that I've told to people. So it's, it's out there. Um, but I wanted to kind of go back to that time and explain, kind of go around the issue of the first time and what the first time meant and kind of talk about the importance of the first time for me and all of the moments leading up to the first time and the moments after the first time and really flesh out that story a little bit and share kind of all the nuances of that experience as a person with disabilities and as a queer cripple trying to navigate sex for the very first time. So in order to give this story some real-world context, I want you to close your eyes for a minute and think about what you were doing in the fall of 03. Now, to illustrate and to give some give a soundtrack to this experience for all of you, I, I googled what the hits were in 03 and what I was probably jamming to around that time when I lost my virginity. And, and so to give you an idea of the music I was probably listening to during that time, um, let me run down the big hits of the day. Uh, it was 50 cents in the club was a big deal in the club. Sorry. Let me say it correctly uh, Whatever happened to him is he making music another band that I was really into at the time was Evanescence they were making They had bring me to life had just come out Beyonce's baby baby boy was a big deal at the time her first album had just dropped Just before that Britney Spears me against the music Back when she was, you know, really, really big, was had just dropped, and her and Madonna had that video, which I was really obsessed with at the time. Um, and then Toxic came out. Those that was the stuff that I was jamming to when I was, you know, getting ready to lose my virginity. And that's just the music that I remember being really kind of in tune with as a 19-year-old uh, young kid um, wanting to get my rocks off with somebody. That's I remember making a mixtape and putting a lot of this stuff on it just before this sexy time happened because I was like I have to remember this and these are the songs of the day and I have to have this music on when this dude's 
with me so that I can never forget this moment. Now, let me share with you a little bit about Andrew before he lost his V-card. And before somebody else lost their very first CP card. See the joke that I did right there? CP and V, because it was their first time with somebody with a disability and virginity. I'm trying to make a joke, but I don't think it landed. But there it is anyway. So let's talk about Andrew before losing his V-card. So, as you can probably imagine, I was horny as hell. I had all this pent-up energy and all this these thoughts and feelings and excitement around it. I had just moved away from home, and I had a smorgasbord of individuals that I could spend time with and experience new people that I could meet and things could go down and there was this, this spark in my life of being away from home and being able to experience all that and the possibility of that was really intoxicating for me um, and I was so so excited. I lived with this fantastical notion that my first time would be important, that it had to be this really big thing. I think we all go through that. This is something that everybody when considering to engage in sex or having sex or thinking about having sex goes through. We've been conditioned to see sex that way no matter who we are. We've been conditioned to understand that sex is this this pinnacle moment in all of our lives where things change, where you grow up, where you're an adult. All of these things come into play when we consider sex, no matter who is thinking about having sex. Whether you're disabled or not, these are things that you consider. But I think when you live with a disability, these feelings of importance are heightened and they are really, really pushed to the forefront that this moment is when you stop losing this childish cherubic part of yourself and when if you start fucking other people, then people might take you seriously and this idea of normalcy that I think we are all attached to as as disabled people is really, really embedded in the kind of sex that we have and when we have sex, and I felt having sex at 19 was late for me. I really felt like it was much too late, um, and so I really wanted to get my rocks off way earlier because I, wa- I was tied to this idea of normalcy in having sex as a young person, and if I had it, then I would be just like all my peers having the sex, and, and it was really important to me to maintain the sense of normalcy and so all these ideas of sex being important were heightened for me and were became so much more important than they probably actually should have been um but it was this huge deal for me and it was directly tied to my experience as a disabled person and so i envisioned basically a music video mtv style dawson creek-esque kind of moments that would enrich and complicate my life with this dramatic flair, I always want the drama. I, I, I seek out drama, I think, when it comes to uh, sexuality and relationships a little, bit, a little bit harder than I probably should. I wanted the drama that came with that D. <laughs> yeah, I did just write that. That was in my notes. I'll repeat. I wanted the drama that came with that D. And, you know, in looking at the drama part for a minute, I think it's important that we talk about why. I wanted the drama, and I don't think it was necessarily simply because I wanted to be a diva. I mean, that was, of course, there, too. I wanted the drama of and the, like, intensity of engaging in a sexual experience with somebody and all of the stuff that went with that. But I think it's important to note that I, I was seeking that out, and sometimes I still do seek that out because I wanted to break away from the 
stereotypical non-sexual sterilized version of disability that people are so used to and I wanted by fucking somebody for the first time I was going to break away from that and break the mold and start again and be able to really explore this side of myself that I was excited to so I think there was more than me just wanting drama to have drama's sake I wanted I wanted to break away from the stereotype that people with disabilities don't want to have sex and so I mean I've talked about this before but that's really that's really why in that moment for my first time and leading up to my first time that's what kind of what I wanted the sex for was to be like look at me I can do this too and it's gonna be great because I'm breaking all the molds bitches deal with it that's kind of where my head was at at the time so my head was in a good space to get laid and I was ready to kind of explore all that and break out I had the thoughts and feelings whirling around my brain about it for sure and they were all there without a doubt but the logistics of actually having sex were different in my fantasies of the Dawson's Creek teen soap moment that I was having in my brain I never considered my disability being a part of it when I pictured myself in a canopy bed and this is a real fantasy I had when I was younger picture myself in a canopy bed being like having a good-looking guy come up on me when I was like I must have been 10 or 12 when this fantasy like was born but whenever I picture these these fantasies of me being immersed in like these teen soap moments um, and these fantasies started to emerge when I was 12 and started masturbating for sure uh, but I never really pictured the disability being part of it which is kind of ironic and hilarious because the disability as you as I tell the story of my first time the disability plays a pretty pivotal role in what happens next but I never really considered the logistics of the first time having sex. I was really, really swept up in the Ariel Eric perfect Disney version of the fantasy of sex and not really considering the reality of sex and disability. So you'll hear in the next segment that that's about to take a huge, I'm about to get a huge reality check into, and reality is about to bite a huge one out of me. But let's lead up to that. First, we're going to take a little bit of break and do a little bit of ads, and then after that, we'll come back and talk more about my first time having sex, right here on Disability After Dark. This episode of Disability After Dark has been brought to you by the worker owners of Come As You Are. Come As You Are has the peculiar distinction of being the world's only worker-owned cooperative sex shop. With feminist and anti-capitalist values, Come As You Are only carries sexuality products that they truly believe in at the lowest price possible. Get free shipping at www.comeasyouare.com using coupon code AFTERDARK. Hi, my name is Laura Bain, partially blind and partially cool in Halifax, and I listen to Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. Hey guys, so I want to spend a quick minute thanking the people who've pledged to my Patreon page. Creating crippled content is not easy, it's hard work. There's also not a big market for people talking about sexuality and disability because it is so taboo. So I really appreciate all of the hard-earned dollars that each person who's pledged has put down each month for me to create this content and keep this show going. So I wanted to take just a minute to thank all of them personally. I want to thank Duncan, John, Sarah, Tina, and Ronnie for their pledges. I really appreciate it. 
I also want to thank Jerome, Heather, Rachel, and Felice for their pledges. It means a lot to me that you would pledge. Thank you. And lastly, I want to thank Duncan A., Nathan, and Cher for pledging to the Crippled Content Patreon page. Thank you so, so much. If you want to pledge, again, patreon.com slash Gerza. Thank you, guys. Let's shine a bright light on sex and disability together. Connect with me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza, that's A-N-D-R-E-W-G-U-R-Z-A, and use the hashtag DisabilityAfterDark. And we're back. So we're talking about my first time and what my first time was like. And I, again, I want to share this story, not so much for the first time itself, because that's, that's a really quick part of the story, which would make a really short podcast. So I'm really flushing it out and giving you my whole nuanced experience. I think that's important, too, because we don't often get to hear people, people with disabilities sharing their first-time stories and telling about how difficult the first time having sex as a disabled person was. So I use mine as a catalyst to start that conversation. If you're listen, listening to this and you have a first-time story that you're like, wow, my first-time story is almost exactly the same, or, oh my god, Andrew, my first-time story is way, way funny, and I want to share that with you, or my first-time story is tragic and sad, but I also want to share it and, and help others with disabilities feel good about their experiences or feel better about themselves, and you want to share that with me, let's do that. You can tweet me on Twitter at Andrew Gerza, email me, let's build a show around your first time as a person with disabilities, but let's get back to mine right now. So picture me at 19. I was a lot more baby faced than I am right now. I haven't, I have, I didn't rug it out like I have now or, or widened as I have now. I have a nice little paunch now that, that shows that I'm a grown up. But at the time I was a skinny kind of like baby faced, hadn't really lost the baby chub um, stuff. And I was really, really shy and coming and trying to come into myself and trying to do all these things. Um, I was flirting with everybody that moved. Literally, everyone that moved had had me flirt with them at one point or another. And if I had, fa- if I found out you were a queer person, generally, I was like, well, I have to flirt with you because I have to try. So I was, I was flirting with everything that moved. I was really attracted to all the people with the penises at that point, and I was ready and willing to go for it. I wanted to explore. This is my time. I had to make this work. I was pretty ravenous for the cock. Um, and I wanted it pretty hard. Um, there's a whole bunch of jokes in there that I'm not going to make. I'm going to just gloss past them and hope you got them. I wanted the cock and it was pretty hard. And I was really hard up for it. Um, and I was ready and willing to pretty much give it to anybody who would give me the time of day at that point. Um, but I got the sense that other people weren't quite ready for me. And didn't quite know how to handle this. And didn't quite know how to navigate the fact that this guy with a disability was pretty intensely coming on to them and pretty intense being very direct about the fact that he wanted their D pretty hard. I remember at one point propositioning this guy at a bar and grabbing him away from his partner. I was so naive and stupid. I grabbed this guy away from his partner at the time, literally pulled him off the dance floor and was like, hey, what are you doing tonight? Did you want to come back to my place and fuck? That's literally what I said to this poor guy. This poor unsuspecting guy who was like, I'm going to go back and see my friends because that's what I was doing, a weird kid. And like he left and I like 
I there there's no there was no getting behind getting around the fact that I was desperate. I can't pretend like I wasn't. I just was. I was desperate for that attention, and then it was again tied to that sense of normalcy that I that I sought for, and that I that I was seeking out at the time, and that sense of belonging into the club of people that had lost their V card because again I felt like I had lost it way too late when I was talking to my peers at the time they would tell stories of how they lost it at 14 some at 15 some at 16 and there I was in 19 being like I've never been touched what the fuck this is totally unacceptable I have to get some and so I that feeling manifested into the sense of desperation that I don't think people really understood why I was so desperate and that's why because I wanted to feel like I belonged that sense of belonging was really important to me especially when it came to the sex I didn't know how to handle all these self-imposed pressures that I was feeling from myself I was putting a lot of pressure on myself to to meet this goal almost like a physical therapy session where I was like no you have to fuck and then somehow somehow you'll reach this goal and you'll be somehow a different disabled person than you are right now. Um, and I also didn't know how to handle the pressures of being young. In many ways, and I mentioned this before in the podcast, I feel sometimes stunted by my disability. My age is stunted. And, and yes, I'm growing up, but I'm growing up with a very different viewpoint. And I often feel sometimes like I'm missing out on things. Um, and this was a big moment where I was worried that I was going to miss this if I didn't grab it. If I didn't grab it really, really intensely and take it, I was going to miss it for sure. Um, and that's how I felt. I had no guidepost. I had no one guiding me as to what to do next. There was no book called How to Lose Your V-Card When You Have CP or more accurately in my case, How to Get That D When You Have CP. Can somebody please write that book? Can we? Can somebody help me write that book? Let's write that book for people with CP or different levels of disability, how to get laid. There are, I mean, and I'll talk about that in a different episode, but there was no book at the time guiding me as to what to do for somebody with a disability. And also, I didn't want to read a book. I wanted it to just happen the way it's supposed to happen. And I wanted it to be this, again, this big thing. And I didn't want to read a book about it because of my disability. I wanted it to just be. And I really wish that there was even now, a book that was written like that, How to Get the D When You Have CP. So I really do think we should start penning that book because it's a really, it would be, it would be really, I think, an important book for young people with, with CP to, to, to read. So anybody who wants to write that with me, I'm, I'm down for that. And so just before losing my V-card with CP, I kind of rediscovered the internet for the purposes of sex. I'd always been, before this point of my point, I'd always been really interested in the internet. I was always secretly going on the internet at home, uh, looking for dick when I was like 16, 17, living with my parents, which which was probably not a good thing um, and would have been super awkward. But I was always trolling for the cock even then, but I never got it. And so now I was free. I was in this new environment. There was all these new people that I could connect with. And the internet was like, my haven for dick because the minute I typed in that I was looking for a sex site for gay men, I wasn't queer at the time. I was, I was very, very connected to gayness. Um, what, 
So when I started looking for a site for gay men and found it, I was like, oh, this is great. And so I literally, I went on this site called gay.com, which I'm pretty sure is defunct by now. Uh, and I would run back to my dorm room after class, like almost every day, sometimes literally missing class to go on this site uh, just to troll for dick because I so desperately wanted some dick in my mouth or dick around my body or or I wanted some dick. I was I was hard, hard up for the D, quite literally. Um, and I would I would troll for this cock and hope that tonight would be the night when somebody would would get naked with me and would experience that with me. Um, I also had to do it in secret because my college roommate at the time, I thought, didn't know that I was gay. He probably did. I think he did. But I was really shy about talking about sex, which again, look at me now. This is hugely ironic because look at the work that I do now. I was super shy about it. I'm not so much shy anymore, but I really was at the time. And I was really, really awkward about sharing that with him. And I didn't want, I didn't want him to see me as less than, um, and, and, I didn't, I felt shame around it, a lot of shame around it, so I would sneak onto this website, almost pretty sure it was date hourly, hourly looking for dick, and I would, I would just troll for that D, um, and I really wanted to, I just was, was ravenous for it, and I would go on this website secretly so that nobody would see me do it. And when I would go on this site trolling for dick, I was the most polite Canadian cripple kid looking to get his cock sucked. I was trying to make that a cool, like, triple alliteration thing there. Canadian cripple cock suck or something, but it wasn't working. But I, <laughs> I was so polite when I went on this website looking for dick. I would say things like, hi, so nice to, like, talk to you. Would, did you want to come over and hang out and maybe get to know each other and then maybe have some sex, please? I was the, I was so polite when really, like, if you look at the chat rooms that were, that I was in, you were seeing guys like, hey, want to come over and fuck me really good or want to do this dirty thing to me or do you want to do this? Or, Let's do this. And I was being so polite. It was, it was almost adorable. If you read back my chat transcripts, you'd probably giggle with glee about how um, polite I was. I was just painfully polite. And I was getting nowhere. I was getting nowhere in doing this. I was. I would type these things out to these guys, and I would get no responses. Cause, and I would also say things to them like, and this is something that I still do now in chat in chat discussions with men, and something that I have to stop myself from doing. I'll say like, oh, I'm in a wheelchair. Is that all right with you? Which I've discovered is super ableist and super internalized ableist, and I need to stop doing it. But it, that's something that I would write all the time, and I would I would wait for the response. And hope that they would tell me that it's okay. Somehow giving them way more power than they deserved. So of course nobody would respond to this. Because it wasn't. I wasn't starting off with. Hey do you want to suck my dick. Which is probably what I should have been writing. To get more responses. So after a few weeks of my discouraging dick hunt. Which was going nowhere. Secretly hiding it from my roommate. I totally wasn't hiding it. But I thought I was. I thought I was being super, super stealth about it. I wasn't. Um, my roommate came home one day and I had it open and he poked his head in and said, hey, what are you doing? And he, he and I had a really interesting relationship. So he called me, <laughs> he called me fag, which I was, which I actually, it didn't bother me because there was no malice in it. It was a really sweet 
kind of friendly, like I, I accept you, but this is what I'm going to call you in order for me to accept it. So it didn't, it didn't bother me at the time. Um, I thought it was really kind of sweet. So he came in there and goes, Hey fag, what are you doing? And I, um, I said, Oh, I immediately, actually, I, I closed the computer in shame and was like, I'm doing, I'm nothing, nothing, nothing's happening. Nothing, nothing. Um, and he was like, Oh, you're looking for Dick again. Aren't you? I went red in the face and said, yep, that's exactly what I'm doing. And he was like, Oh, well, let me have a look. So he comes over, wheels his chair over. I back my chair out of the way. And he looks at what I'm writing and goes, what the fuck is this? This is not going to work. No, 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 no. And he takes my computer, erases what I've written and said, no, 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 no. This is what you need to do. You need to do it like this. You need to do it like this. And he, he writes in, looking for a blowjob right now. And I was mortified. I was like, what? That is, you cannot write that. You need to be way more polite. No, 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 no. And he was like, what? In five minutes, you'll have somebody dinging you. And I, so I was like, ah, okay, okay. So I, I'm just about to close my computer. I'm just about to go somewhere and do something. And all of a sudden I get like, literally, he's right, five or six dings from five different men saying, I'll come over and do that for you, no problem. And I was just blown away by this. I was like, what? It worked? All I had to do was be dirty? Amazing. So I <laughs> I scrolled through. None of them were entirely what I was looking for. But I now had I now had a template on how I should be reacting in this forum and how I can get dick. And I was so excited because I was like, this this has opened up a whole new world. A whole new world. I'm trying my air my uh my Aladdin on you, um, it opened up a whole new world for me because now if I could just be a little bit dirty, I could probably get what I wanted and I could meet the goal of finally getting laid. So I tried that tactic for a few more hours and I eventually was dinged by somebody who was really, really attractive, a really, 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 really attractive and I wanted to sleep with him right away. He messaged me and was like, I'll come over, no problem. And he was, he was 31 I was 19, he was beautiful, built like an Adonis, and I was like, of course I want you to come over, of course, yes, that is happening, yes, yes, um, and so he, I gave him my address, and I told him where I lived, and I was super excited, and then, then he's like, I'll be there in an hour, and so I was excited, but also terrified, now it was actually happening, like, there's something when you're on the online forum, it's not really real until they tell you they're coming over, and then when they tell you they're coming over, it's really for real, for real. And uh, then it was. And so when he um, when he logged off, I immediately went into panic mode and was like, oh, my God. And so I made a mixtape for the moment with a bunch of the, the music that I had talked about at the beginning of the episode, Beyonce and all those things. Um, I was petrified. And in, in that moment, I also realized how disabled I was because the fantasy I was having didn't jive with the fact that I was sitting in a wheelchair and how the fuck are these things going to go together and can they go together and what the, how, the, how the hell do I do this? And the reality of being disabled and, disabled and queer in that first moment really hit me like, whoa, hit me like a ton of fucking bricks. And I didn't know how to navigate any of that. I was running around my room terrified trying to figure out what made me look both sexy and both presentable. And both fuckable all at the same time. And I had no clue what I was doing. And all this anxiety around my disability and my queerness came to light. And so eventually he gets to my door. He's finally there. I I had strewn clothes around the room to try to look sexy. Called the tenants. Tried to figure out 
like how to present myself in this experience, but also didn't tell my attendants that I was fucking a dude because I was shy about it. So I didn't say why I wanted all these wardrobe changes to get laid. So finally the guy shows up. I am a ball of nerves. The guy comes in and he looks exactly like his picture, which for me was amazing because I was like, wow, this is this internet thing actually works. So he comes over to me and we don't speak much. There's not really any conversation happening. We just start making out, and I'm ravenous. I don't know. I have never, to be honest with all of you guys, this was the first moment where I ever kissed anybody. This was the first moment where I ever had any kind of sexual interaction. So I was green, and I had no idea what to do. I kissed the guy so weirdly, he stopped me and said, Have you done this before? And I froze in my chair, and I said, Of course I have. I've done this a bunch of times. I'm pro. Total fucking liar. I lied through my teeth. Um, the guy... He took off his shirt and put me on my bed, and then he and then he took off his shirt, and I literally could not breathe because I was like, "This guy's beautiful. What is happening?" I, I, wow. So we get on the bed, and he touches me, and because I'd never been with a guy before, I came super, super, duper fast, as you do. Um, and so then I was mortified, completely mortified. That great. Now I've come too fast, and this is all because of my disability, and this is all because I never had sex at 16, and this is all, holy shit, now I'm super disabled, and now he knows it for sure. He decided to help me get off again, which I thought was great, which I thought was wonderful, and I thank God for the male refractory period, because I had a moment to, you know, redeem myself. I was really concerned about stamina a lot when it come, and I, I still am concerned about stamina when it comes to coming because of my disability. I'm worried that if I come too fast, people think it's because I'm disabled again, which is some weird morphed version of internalized sexual ableism, but it's there. Uh, so I came again, and this was great. He was great. He came. It was wonderful, and I thought we were. this was a great thing that we've done. We, we had sex, and now we're together. My fantasy of Ariel and Eric was back on. That we, now that we've had sex, we were now going to be together. So dumb. So naive. So not what happened. Um, so I said something to the effect of, let's go for a movie. Let's go for a pop. Let's go for, you know, let's go have a coffee. Let's go get, actually get to know each other now that we've made each other come. Because I assume that once you did that, you would be together forever. Uh, and so this is the moment where things got tough for me because he looked at me and said... He looked at me, got up on his haunches, and I'm on the bed full of cum, very pleased with myself that I made this declaration of love for this person or amorous feelings for this person. And I was very, very, you know, because I, I was shy about it, so I didn't really say that kind of stuff. So I was very proud that I said it to this guy. He got up on his haunches and looked at me. And I think when you're disabled and someone looks at you that way, when you're in that vulnerable state and somebody looks at you with that face, you know what's coming next. And I knew what he was going to say, but I hoped to God that he wasn't going to say it. He looked at me and he, he paused. Both of our dicks are out. We just finished like making out and like getting each other off. And he goes, no, no, no. Do you see your chair over there? And he looks at my chair and my chair, which remember what I said wasn't prominently featured in my fantasies. Well, now it's getting a starring role in my life because here it is. He said to me, do you see your chair? And I said, yes. And he goes, well, I came by because I wanted to help you out. I felt bad for you. You were just a pity fuck. 
Now, in that moment, my worlds collided. My disability came into play, my queerness came into play, and I realized very quickly that I didn't fit. But remember, he's still in my house, I'm naked, and I need him to get dressed. I need him to get dressed, and I need him to get me dressed and put me back in my chair. So I couldn't I couldn't express the pain I was feeling. So I swallowed it down and I said, Oh, oh, no problem. Thank you so much for that. And I had him dress me in this really weird, quiet moment where we didn't speak to each other. I didn't know what to say because I wanted to cry. And then, actually, if I'm thinking truthfully, he didn't dress me. He, he I was stayed naked with the cum all over me. And he, I, I said, give me the sheet. Give me my phone and you can leave. And he, but I, I had expected he would dress me, but he didn't. He left. And I remember when he left, he got dressed and I had to watch him get dressed. I had to watch this guy that I had given my, my VCP card to get dressed in my house. This beautiful body, bodied man get dressed who just rejected me in the worst possible way. And I had to sit with that. And when he left, I'm, I'll never forget the door closing. I'll never forget the click of the door closing when I knew that I was safe and when I knew I was alone when I knew I could break down but I held that stern consternation face for so long I did not let it waver when he saw me I could not let him see me break so I held that in and I held in how I felt like he was being ableist towards me and I I felt I held in all of the shame that was rushing through me that I had just done this with this guy I held all of that in and it just broke my heart and when he left, I cried. I broke down. I've never cried so hard and so long than from when that happened. Um, and it just it killed me. And I remember lying naked in bed. And I didn't call the attendant. I called my best friend. And I said, I need you to come to my room right now. And we need to watch shitty movies and with bad magazines. And we need to eat ice cream. And we need to be ridiculous because I'm going through this horrible thing. She stayed with me for the whole night and made sure I was okay. But that moment with him broke my heart and it changed how I saw myself and how I viewed disability. It has changed. It has irrevocably changed who I am when it comes to sex. It shaped how I felt about myself, how I felt about my body, how I felt about being with other men, how I felt about my first time, how I felt about sex generally, I never wanted to have it again. After that, really, for a long period of time, I didn't have sex. I was like, well, if that's what it is, what the fuck was that for? That was a waste of my whole time. But it shattered the excitement that I had, and I was so hurt. It was like mourning a giant loss because I had lost this excitement and this moment that I had clung to as this, this rite of passage that I, I had the rite of passage. I got it. But it didn't make me feel good, and it didn't make me feel any more normal. It actually made me feel more abnormal. It cemented the fact that I was a disabled queer person, and it really it took me a long time to get over that. I still am getting over that residually sometimes, because it just... To know that somebody would say to you, to your face, think of your first time, when you were done with your partner, they said, oh, you're just a fuck. Thanks. Could you imagine that's your first go, and that's that's what you're... That's what you're supposed to remember for the rest of your life is your first time. But add to that disability and all of the weight 
that comes with that when you're trying to be disabled and wanting to have sex. All of the expectation that you put on this moment to be normal. Add to that all of that and then and then have them say that back to you and how 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 the fuck was I supposed to feel? How the fuck was I supposed to just get over that? I didn't for a long time like I said I really didn't. But I also then I then tried to to have do-overs. I have many do-overs. Like a week later I tried to fuck somebody else and be like, oh it's not gonna happen this time. Try again. Um and I held on to what they said and I held on I still hold on to what they said to remind me how important my disability is and to remind myself that I'm not just a fuck. I'm not just a one off. I'm not just somebody you can come over and help out. I'm so much more than that. And what he said will always stay with me as an important rite of passage to show me how important my disability is to my sex life. So that's my story, and that kind of gives you some insight into why I do what I do and why this work that I do as a disability awareness consultant working in queerness and disability is so critically important for me. And, and I hope that that gives you some insight into who I am and, and why I need to talk about sex so much. I'd love to hear your first-time stories as a person with disabilities. The first time you kissed a person, the first time you got naked with a person, the first time you fucked the first time you had a sexual experience because I think, like I said at the top, these stories are critically important to the narrative of sexuality and disability and first times shape so much for us. So I'd like to give you the opportunity to share that with the audience so people can think about sex and disability differently. If you'd like to do that, please send me an email at andrew at andrewgerza.com using the topic headline, Disability After Dark, First Time and I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to build an episode with you. Thanks for listening to this episode of Disability After Dark, the podcast to shine a bright light on sex and disability. If you like what you hear and want to hear more, read my blogs, or book me to bring disability to you, head over to www.andrewgerza.com. Also, if you're listening to this in iTunes, please rate and review us so more people can find the show. Copyright Notice this program was created and produced by Andrew Gerza and Crippled Content Creations. Any and all materials, including graphics, music, and audio recordings, are property of the owner and cannot be used or distributed without express permission. 